Welcome to Crossroads. We are excited that you're here on what is a beautiful day. No snow, no time change, no spring break. Can I get an amen? So anyway, it's just good to be kind of back to some semblance of, I don't like the word normal, but I'm going to use it anyway, normal. Again, we welcome you. We also welcome those who are joining us live on Facebook Live. And let me encourage you, even if you're in the auditorium, if you will, take a moment, get on social media only for this moment and share it from our page to your page because again it just multiplies the amount of people who will be exposed to today's message and today's worship whether they look at it today or whether they look at it sometime throughout the week because they see it on your page and they may want to know what the heck were they doing at crossroads but anyway they may just investigate it so we're excited that you're here a couple of things i want to announce before we go on one of those is our community group sign up uh, we did that over spring break which was good and bad. So we know we miss some people. If you're not in a group doing life with other people in your stage and season of life, there's an opportunity today for you to sign up when you leave out of the door back to my right, your left. There's a sign-up table, name, email, phone number, and somebody will start to contact you within the next couple of weeks. Uh, also, let me say this, next week, next Sunday, the 27th, 9.30, we do something called For Heaven's Sake. It's an environment that we created to help you as a parent or as a grandparent uh, to lead your child to Christ. And we help you, equip you with all the questions and the answers that your child may or may, ask, may, or may not ask about heaven, about Jesus, about faith, about the church. Uh, we equip you so that you personally, not us, but you as a parent or grandparent, can lead your child to Christ. So again, it's 9.30 next week, down this hall, into the hall on the left, right across from the children's check-in desk. Lori Dove will lead that. She's excellent at doing that, so I would encourage you to be here next Sunday at 9.30. We'll get you into this service uh, shortly after it starts or right when it starts. So again, uh, that's next week. Also, not wanting to use the word normal a bunch, 
because COVID has kind of just knocked us all in the dirt. But again, we're trying to get back to where we were and beyond as it relates to Easter and preparation for Easter. So I need you to help me bring some bags of Easter candy, individually wrapped stuff that will fit in an egg. Uh, I particularly like those Reese's eggs. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So anyway, uh, I love those Reese's eggs, honestly. So anyway, uh, if you'll bring those, there's a basket right in front of the information kiosk. You'll just drop your Easter candy and be generous. I mean, just do it and bring it and help us. And again, uh, it'll help our kids uh, when we do what we're doing for Easter uh, in April because April is right around the corner, believe it or not. Uh, I mean, it's going to be speedo weather before long. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, uh, with that in mind, let me go ahead and pray, okay? <laughs> God, we just thank you for the opportunity that we have uh, to come into your house, the freedom that we enjoy in our country uh, to worship. Uh, God, we just ask that you speak to us in a way that only you can. Uh, God, open our ears and open our hearts and let the seed of your word fall on the fertile soil of our lives, and God, and let it take root and do what only it can do uh, as you lead us and guide us on a daily basis. God, we love you, and we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you guys know that some of you don't know because some of you are visiting, and this might keep you from coming back, okay? So, so let me just say, I'm very honest. I'm honest when it comes to things that bother me especially as it relates to you who follow Jesus and the church. Now, don't misunderstand what I just said. I realize that you, like me, you're not perfect. And I realize that the church is not perfect. But the reason that I struggle with followers of Jesus and the church is because I know people who are on a spiritual journey, and then all of a sudden, these people who are on this spiritual journey, they, they run across us who are followers of Jesus. They run across us who already follow Jesus, and, and here's the thing I want you to understand, because it, it, it applies to me, it applies to you, it applies to all of us who already follow Jesus. We sometimes can be our own worst enemy when it comes to the cause of Christ. We can be our own worst enemy in actually helping the call of Jesus and the call of the church. And let me give you an example because some of you, maybe those that are visiting are saying, well, we ain't coming back here. Well, let, let me help you understand this because when you understand this, I think in your life, just like in my life, that light is going to come on. See, I struggle with people who are always talking about things and when they do, they can only talk about themselves. I struggle with somebody who says they follow Jesus, and, and, and they always talking about what a good person they are and all the good things they're doing, all the Bible studies they're attending, all the podcasts they're listening to, all the conferences go, they're going to, all this, all this, and it could go on and on and on and on. They're so good about, you know, Facebooking a Bible verse. They're so good about Facebooking a, a Christian meme. They're Instagramming, they're Facebooking in their details of their lives. Everything is just talk, 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 talk. Me, 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 me. That, that it, that I struggle with that. And let me tell you the reason why I struggle with that. 
I struggle with us talking about all of that kind of stuff because I think some things are better off demonstrated. Instead of talking about it, live it out. And, and here, here, here's the thing that many of you are going to know. You've heard me say it from this stage many times. I think that many times people understand more about things when they actually see those things in action. Because there are some things that are just better when they're seen instead of people telling us about them. So I didn't know last week exactly where we were going today up until Easter. But on Monday, I was sitting at the house. Sometimes I work from the house on Monday, and I was sitting there, and I was just kind of going through notes, going through things that I have written down. And I came across this saying that you've heard me use from this stage many times. And it just kind of became the foundation for this series that we're going to be in at least the next three or four weeks. And that, that, that phrase goes like this, don't tell me, show me. Don't tell me, show me. I don't want to hear you talking about it. I want to look at your life and I want to see you doing it. So here's the thing, over the next three or four weeks leading up to Easter, we're going to look at the character traits that the Holy Spirit wants to form deep inside of each one of us who actually call ourselves a follower of Jesus Christ. And right out of the gate, we're going to see different things that are actually found in this verse that comes from the book of Galatians. And I, I don't normally do this, but again, this is kind of going to be what I would call our, our foundational verse. This is going to be our key verse for this entire series. And the most beautiful thing about this verse is that if you've been around the church any at all, it's a verse that you're very familiar with. And I want us to read it together, and I want us to read it out loud, and I'm going to go slow. Uh, and if you're not comfortable with that, I understand it, but I don't care. I want you to read it out loud with me. We're going to put it on the screen behind me, and here we go. Let's all read it together. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let me say it again. Don't tell me. Show me. Because here's the thing. I believe that when those things are visible in our lives as a follower of Jesus Christ, it makes people go, oh, I think it makes people stand back and go, wow, when you show me, I understand. When you show me what it looks like, I get it. 
because I look at your life and I see joy and I see kindness. And now I understand because of the way you're expressing it, that's what joy looks like. That's what kindness looks like. I, had a, I have a hard time understanding it when people are always talking about it. But when people show me those things in the way that they're living their lives, that's when I get it. That's when I understand. Now, again, look at the verse. We're going to leave it up there for just a moment. In that verse, those two verses that we just read, there are nine things there. And today we're not going to cover all nine things. Today we're only going to cover two of those things. And the two things that we're going to focus on this morning are love and kindness and what they look like. Because when you think about it, I mean, love and kindness are kind of tightly woven together. Love and kindness are, are tightly linked to each other. I mean, think about it. Just, just think about it. Kindness is love in action. That's what it is. Kindness is just love in action. Kindness is just love with legs on it. And maybe this morning you're one of those people who have struggled with loving kindness. So here's the thing. If you struggle with loving kindness, I think this is going to help you because you're going to kind of start to get it when we walk through this. It's really going to help you. Now, it's not surprising that these nine qualities that are found in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, are also known as fruits of the Spirit. And the very first fruit that is listed among the nine fruits is love. Now, let me also say this. If you're a note taker, you're going to love this series. Because this series is going to give you lots of opportunities to take notes. But if you're not a note taker, and if you're one of those people who complain about, well, it's too dark in here, get your dang camera out and make a picture of the screen, okay? And then make a note when you get home. You're going to have an opportunity to make lots of notes. And let me give you the very first thing you need to know. And we're going to put it on the screen behind me. When you see it, get your camera ready, be ready. Here it is. Here's the very first thing you need to understand. The greatest value is love. Love is the greatest value. And to help us understand that, I want to use one of the most well-known verses of all the verses in the Bible. And it's actually found in 1 Corinthians. And we're familiar with this because this is one of those verses that is often read at a wedding. And here it is, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. It says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Now, here's the thing that you probably don't know. If you go to the very next verse, after that verse, it's actually found in chapter 14, verse 1. And here's what Paul says. He says, let love be your highest goal. In other words, in your life, in your family, in your job, in your neighborhood... In this divided world that you and I are living in, 
Let love be your highest goal. Love should be your priority in everything. Now think about love and think about your life. And, and I want to give you a little exercise this morning to do. Turn on the DVR of your life. Go back 10 years. 10 years. 2012. How much different does your life look today than what it did in 2012? Turn on the DVR of your life and go back 10 years. And compare your life to what it looks like today. What does it look like? Because when you're comparing your life to what it was 10 years ago, many of us can say we have a bigger car, we have a bigger house, we have a bigger family, we have a bigger waistline, amen, after COVID, staying home, eating. But the question that I really want to ask you is this. Look behind me. Do you have a bigger heart? From 2012 to 2022, now do you have a bigger heart? Do you have a more loving heart? Do you have a kinder heart? If I were to ask the people around you, pose that question to your family, to the people that you're close with or the people we work with, what would they say about you? Do you have a bigger heart than you did 10 years ago? Because Paul tells us that love should be our highest goal. And again, the Apostle Paul writes about the supremacy of love when he says this. Look, look at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. He says, if I speak in human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging, a clanging cymbal. What's Paul saying there? He's saying you can be the best communicator that there is. You can be the, the best orator, the best user of words. But if you don't have love that comes behind those words and surrounds those words, then the words that you're saying are just noise. And then he continues in verse 2. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge... And if I have faith that can move mountains, but not love, I'm nothing. So you can say all the things that you say. You can tell me all the things that you believe. But if you don't have love, then the convictions that you have they're just useless. And he continues. Look at the next verse. If I give everything I own to the poor, and if I go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't have love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, Paul says I'm bankrupt without love. See, God is speaking through Paul, and, and what God is saying is this. God is saying you can be the best speaker in the world. You can have the knowledge of the smartest man in the world. 
You can have the faith of a miracle worker. You can be the most generous person in the world. You can have the courage of somebody who is willing to be burned at the stake for telling people about Jesus. But if you don't have love, then it all adds up to nothing. And then Paul continues in the next verse. Look at what he says in verse 4. Love is kind. You can't love without kindness. Because kindness is love in action. Kindness is not a feeling to be felt. Kindness is not an emotion. Kindness is something that you do. And I, and I honestly have no idea who said this. You know, it's really funny because I make notes of quotes and, and I don't have anybody I don't have anybody's name who said this but I did write it down and I do want to share it with you because I think it speaks so much to what we're talking about look at the screen behind me here's what it is this quote is that kindness is the language that the deaf can hear and that the blind can see kindness is the language that the deaf can hear and the blind can see. But I just want to be honest with you this morning because you know the truth about me. And maybe not only is this the truth about me, but maybe what I'm about to talk about is really the truth about you as well. Because you see, within me, when I talk about love and kindness and, and expressing that, within me there is this conflict going on. And honestly, I'm going to tell you, this is a conflict that, that personally I dealt with this past week. And here's the thing I call it. I call it the great conflict. And it's warring inside of me every day. It, it's my flesh versus the Spirit of God. And that's what I call the great conflict. There, there's this amazing conflict when it comes to my flesh and the Spirit of God who is working inside of me. And it's happening on a daily basis. So Paul writes about this in Galatians 5. Look at what he says. Here's what he says. He says, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. That's the great conflict. And all of us have this conflict that's going on between our flesh and the spirit. And let me just tell you, you can say you don't have this conflict going on in your life, but I know some of the people that, that attend Crossroads on a, I'm going to say, semi-regular basis or regular basis, you struggle with this. I've been told that you struggle with this. Because, see, here, here's the thing that people have told me. They told me that some of the people at Crossroads are kinder and more loving than some of the other people that attend Crossroads. Because they've seen you. 
They've seen you in traffic. They've seen you at a stoplight, and they notice those hand gestures that you use to try to get people out of your way. What do we say? That's a California hello? <laughs> so, yeah. When you don't get your way, I mean, you, you, you know, you, you, loving and kindness kind of goes to the curb. And every now and again, I, when I receive an email or a text message from some of you, I can sense a, a varying degree of kindness in what you're saying to me. And none of that should be surprising to us. Because there is this conflict between the Spirit of God and our flesh. So here, here's the thing I want you to understand this morning. This is the very reason why I am so glad that I don't have to do this under my own power. But see, it's the Spirit of God working inside of me to produce this kind of fruit. What kind of fruit, you ask? The fruit of love. The fruit of kindness. He's working in me, and he's helping create that fruit with his strength and with his power. Let me tell you what my job is. My job is not to try to create that. My job is simply to abide in him, to stay in him, to put my roots deep down inside of the Holy Spirit of God so that that fruit will be shown in my life. I thought about this yesterday. Let, let, let's say we were in fruit season, fruit tree season, and if yesterday I would have cut an apple tree down and brought it up here on this stage, do you think that apple tree would produce any fruit if I cut it off and just brought it in here? No, it wouldn't. It would only produce what was on its branches at the time. It can't produce fruit up on this stage unless it's connected to the root in the ground. If it's not connected to the source to give it the ability to produce the fruit, then guess what? That apple tree on this stage is not going to produce fruit. If it's not rooted in the ground, it simply will not produce fruit. And let me just tell you this morning, if you follow Jesus and you've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, then here's what you need to know. You need to know that the Holy Spirit is working in your life. Listen to me this morning, 24 hours a day, seven days a week to produce fruit in you. He wants to produce this kind of fruit in your life. What kind of fruit? The fruit of love and kindness, love and kindness. And some of you would say, okay, okay, so, so suppose that's right, Randy, that the Holy Spirit is working inside of me to produce this kind of fruit. I'm just wondering how it is that the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in my life. And I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you exactly. I want to give you a pattern when it comes to the way that I believe that the Holy Spirit produces fruit in your life. Again, for note-takers, here it is. Get your camera out. Get your pen out. 
It's three words. He convicts, he empowers, and he waits. He convicts me to do something. He empowers me to do what he convicted me to do, and then he waits. He waits for me to respond. He waits for you to respond. And let me tell you, when it comes to this universe that I call Randy, this is exactly the way that I see it happen. Thursday of this week. My wife called me, said, hey, you want to go grab something to eat? After she got off, we said yes. And if you know anything about me, I'm always early. Always. So I went to the unnamed restaurant early. And, you know, I'm pretty familiar because we'd already eaten there one time that this past week. So that would have been the second time. And service is always five-star, food five-star. I walked in, and I asked for a particular table, which was open. And at the moment I asked about it, the waitress who was waiting on that table said, don't seat anybody there. Okay. So the guy said, well, I can't seat you there. I said, okay, just over, over there will be good. I like the corner. I like to face the door. I like to see what's happening. 20 minutes I sat there, and nobody ever said a thing to me. Now, luckily, my wife had not gotten there yet. And you know, you know how you can make just kind of a judgment and you kind of see what's going on? Now, let me just tell you what I did. I took my camera on my phone and I made pictures of all the empty tables because this was so uncharacteristic of what I usually experience there. And my blood was boiling. But the Holy Spirit of God said, mm, don't say anything. A few minutes later, somebody finally waited on me. And you know how you can just look at somebody in their countenance and you can see they're not having a good day. And I was very nice. And they said, can we... You know, can I get you something to drink? And I said, yes. And so I ordered something to drink. And I said, I'm going to wait for my wife and, and, and so forth and so forth. And they came and went a couple of times. And finally, my wife was on the way. And I texted her and said, the service is terrible today. Long story short, we got our food. The person that was waiting on us was struggling, you could see. And the Holy Spirit of God, when I wanted to get back at them, I'm, I'm not here to brag on myself. I'm not here to brag on I'm here to brag on God. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit of God said, I know, Randy, I know that you want to short the tip or not tip at all. But I want you to up the tip. And so I did. And I thanked the person and I left, and I didn't get on Facebook or Instagram and give a nasty review. I didn't do anything like that. But see, that's the way the Holy Spirit of God works. He convicts you, 
He empowers you. He convicted me. I don't need to act out this way. I don't need to get back at this way because of the way I've been treated. He had me with the financial means to do what he wanted me to do, was, which was really to give a tip that was more than the person deserved. And then he waited to see what I was going to do. The Holy Spirit convicting me of the loving thing to do, the kind thing to do. And it happens all the time. It's like he's whispering, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to empower you to do it. And the Holy Spirit waits just like he waits for me. He waits for you to see if you're going to do what he's convicted you to do. And that's the great conflict that is happening between our flesh and the Holy Spirit, between our sinful nature and the Holy Spirit. He convicts, he empowers, and he waits. He waits for us to respond. And then, listen to this, every day, in like a hundred ways, God is doing what only God can do. And God is going to give you a test. Here's what I call it. The great love meter test. That's the test. You want to know how you're doing on that? Because every day God is testing you with the great love meter test. And if you want to know how you're doing with the great love meter test, the Bible gives you a way to figure it out just so that you'll know how well you're loving your neighbor and loving your wife and loving your husband and loving your kids and loving your colleagues. It's a five-letter test, and it's a five-letter test that's actually found in Philippians 2. And here's the five-letter test. Look at it. Consider others better than yourself. One, two, three, four, five. Now, you know how I'm doing with this test. But how are you doing? Do you consider others better than yourself? Because here's the thing. Jesus always did. Jesus always considered others better than himself. And I want you to think about that because this is the king of kings. This is the Lord of lords. Jesus was God in the flesh. And even though he was all those things, he humbled himself, taking on the position of a servant every day and treating other people better than himself. See, Jesus was always in trouble with the religious leader because what did he do? He always hung out with notorious sinners. Jesus was the guy who would show love and kindness to prostitutes. Prostitutes who only knew what it was like to be wanted in the middle of the night for a few moments and then thrown out during the day. In the middle of the day, Jesus would say to his disciples, 
Let the little children come to me. They're not interruptions. Little children are opportunities, opportunities to express and to show love and kindness in action. Jesus always considered others better than himself. And yet, Jesus was the greatest of all. Now, let me tell you, there are some people I have no problem treating better than myself. Let's say we get together next Saturday night and we go clubbing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We go down on Broadway. Now that we can go down on Broadway. And we go into some of those clubs and, and we run into, you know, one of these famous people that hang out in some of those clubs down there. Let me tell you, you know what? I'm going to have no problem opening the door for some of those people. Country music star, icons of business. I have no problem treating those people better than myself. I have no problem waiting on them, opening doors for them. I have no problem helping them in all kinds of ways. See, when I see or I'm exposed to a bona fide celebrity, I can always treat them better than myself. But here's the thing. All heck breaks loose and the battle stews inside of me when I'm asked to treat normal people better than myself. My love meter on Thursday was reading really low when I was asked to treat that waiter better than myself. The convenience store clerk better than myself. The neighbor whose dog did number two on my yard better than myself. How about you? And can I just add something here? There has never been a more important time in the history of this world and especially this country. There has never been a more important time for us to be kind than there is right now. Because so much, listen, 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 so much of the hate that we are seeing in our culture, the hate that we see growing in our culture right now, this idea where we just write other people off. Let me tell you what that hate is rooted in. That hate is rooted in fear. People cope by hiding their vulnerability under a mean and angry exterior, but in the kingdom of God. We are not part of this cancel culture. We are part of what I call a cross culture. And out of kindness. The cross of Jesus Christ has canceled our shame. The cross of Jesus Christ has canceled our guilt, has canceled our mistake. The cross of Jesus Christ cancels our sin debt. And in turn, as followers of Jesus, we are called to be kind to people. We're called to, to extend loving kindness to people. Not because people deserve it. Not because people have earned it. We're called to extend love and kindness to others 
simply because Jesus has been loving and kind to us. Let me tell you, the love meter test, it's a tough one. Because it tells me to treat common people, to treat family, to treat other races, to treat Republicans, to treat Democrats, to treat other religion as better than myself. Simply because that's how God treats you. Most of you know that Crossroads partners with people in our community. And one of those organizations that we partner with, or we have been regularly lately, is an organization called Compassionate Hands. They're located right over on North College Street. John Grant provides, in Compassionate Hands, provides a much-needed service to our community where they provide meals and temporary housing for people in and around our community who are really without a permanent place to live or a permanent good hot meal. And some of our groups from Crossroads have been serving at Compassionate Hands and Carol Farrell is in the service and she can tell you all about them and she kind of heads that up on a regular basis. But they serve there just by extending a helping hand when a helping hand is needed. And they don't serve there because they're obligated, but they serve there out of kindness. So think about it. How do you recognize love? You recognize love when it's expressed to you in kindness. And that's the very thing that compassionate hands does. I want you to look at another verse. Look at Galatians 5, verse 13. Here's what it says. Serve one another humbly in love. And can I just go ahead and tell you this? Crossroads was built on a foundation of serving. Not just here in this building, but in our community. And you know what I think COVID has caused many of us to do? To get lazy. Many of you have walked away from serving opportunities. And I understand the whole fear, COVID, I understand all that, but you know what? It's, it's time to lay all that down and get back to serving. And we're going to start ramping up opportunities to serve. Throughout this series, we're going to give you opportunities to serve. Not just like in the next you know, month, but I'm talking about in the next. We have something called Second Saturday. We haven't done that in two years where we would go out and serve in this community. Again, people, other churches in this community, they copied us and started doing, but that, that's not bad. That's a good thing. But they copied the serving model that we have exemplified. But let me tell you, church, we have fallen behind and we have not been doing the very thing that God had called us to do. So we're going to be ramping up opportunities for you to serve in the church and in the community because serving is what we're called to do. Serving in love and kindness. And here's the thing I want you to know. I'm not giving you a sign-up sheet today to sign up to serve, but this week I want you to do something because all of us can do something. All of us in this room can do something. 
And I just want to invite you this week to do one act of serving this week. Put your love in action through kindness. Do just one thing this week. Because, again, it's doable. Every one of us in this room, all of you listening online, all of you watching online, we can all do something this week. It's doable. All of us can do something. Just express your love. Just express your kindness. And here's the thing. I'm going to challenge you this week. As you go out of here uh, and, and, and seek at least one time this week to express your love and kindness to somebody else, I'm going to challenge you to do it in one of three different ways. Here's, here's the first way. Express loving kindness this week spontaneously. I mean, just do it spontaneously. I mean, here's the thing. You know, it's really easy for us to, to express loving kindness and take the time to plan it. But the nature of this really, uh, of expressing loving kindness is really to do it spontaneously. So when you have an opportunity, when you have a chance this week, when the Holy Spirit of God prompts you, don't try to justify it or rationalize it. But when you hear the very Spirit of God speaking to you, here's the thing, just do it. Pay attention to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And maybe this week or maybe this afternoon or maybe Wednesday when you're picking up a to-go order at the local restaurant, leave a huge tip. Because I'm going to tell you, if you look in the eyes of that server, you're going to see somebody who's overworked. And just leave them a tip that blows their socks off with their shoes on. Maybe send flowers to somebody who might need some encouragement. Give the best parking spot to somebody else. Just do it. Express loving kindness spontaneously. Here's another way to express loving kindness, the second one. Do it sensitively. Express loving kindness sensitively. Be sensitive. See, I think what the Holy Spirit of God is doing is to encourage you to open your eyes. All of us, all of us, open our eyes. Because all around you, even right now, are people who need loving kindness. Physically, relationally, emotionally, spiritually. There are people in this church, people in your family, people in your neighborhood. And the Holy Spirit's goal is to make every one of us a kind person, a sensitive person. And can I just tell you this morning something that I think is really, really important? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it's no longer cool to be mean. It's no longer cool to be angry and hateful and grouchy. Express your loving kindness spontaneously, sensitively. And here's the third thing. 
express your loving kindness sacrificially. Because there's always a price tag with loving kindness. Loving kindness is not an emotion. It's not a feeling to be felt. But loving kindness is something you do. And some of you right now are saying, you know what? I, th- there's no way, Randy, that, I, that I'm going to express loving kindness to people who are being so nasty to me in this world. Why would I express loving kindness to other people when nobody's doing anything for me? You need to give me one good reason, Randy, why I should express loving kindness to other people. And if you want a reason, I'm going to give it to you. It's right out of the book of Romans. Romans chapter 3. For all have sinned. Yet now God in his gracious kindness declares us not guilty. He has done this through Christ Jesus who has freed us by taking away our sins. What amazing, gracious, loving kindness that God has extended to flawed people like you and me. Flawed people like us who don't even deserve his loving kindness. And see, it was on the cross on Good Friday that God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, the most important person in the universe, it was on that cross that he just showed us and demonstrated true love, sincere love, considers everyone else as better than yourself. Can I just say this? I might not be the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I know love when I see it. I know kindness when I see it. And I know that's what Jesus demonstrated on that cross on Good Friday. That's what he demonstrated to us. What an amazing, loving, kind God. Who not only gives us grace that we sang about just a moment ago, but gives us his spirit to work and transform transform us. And he pushes us and nudges us to be kind just like him. So this week, I want to encourage you to join me. And together, listen, 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 listen. Together, let's just dive in head first. And let's do it spontaneously, sensitively, sacrificially. Let's just go out as a church and let's express loving kindness. And let's treat others better than ourselves. Don't tell me. Show me. Would you bow your heads and pray with me, please? God, what an opportunity we have as a church. What an opportunity we have as your followers 
to go out and be the people that you've called us to be. To live not in a cancel culture, but in a cross culture. Expressing loving kindness to other people, not because they deserve it, not because they've earned it, because you, God, have extended that love and kindness to us through your son, Jesus Christ. And now the opportunity is ours to not talk about it, but to show that loving kindness to a restaurant worker, to a co-worker, to a husband, to a wife, to any number of people. We don't need to talk about it. We need to show it. God, we look for your prompting, for your direction, the, the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to convict us and to empower us to do the things that you've called us to do as we ask this prayer this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.
the language that the deaf can hear and the blind can see. And let it be so in your life and in the life of this church.